welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows, one of the shows that we have up on air and online, in a manner of speaking, uh, seven days a week, 24-7, 365, uh, here at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. You're either listening to us as a standard podcast or as what we refer to as a radio loop. Uh, that's because we have a separate computer here in the studio that is running this show, the show you're listening to right now, in a constant loop which you access by hitting uh, the second link on our homepage, the, the one that you arrive at when you hit www.centerlefttalkradio.com. And that allows you to pick up the show wherever it happens to be in that loop, if that's what you like about uh, you know listening to voices on the radio, uh, pick up the show just like you always did with anything you picked up, or maybe still do when you flick on a radio, if you still flick on a radio. Most people do to some extent. Um, or you pick us up as a podcast. That would be the first link at the aforementioned website, uh, www.centerlefttalkradio. I promise not to say it again for at least a little while, .com. And um, we are available to you. Both those links have the same show running. At least the radio loop will be the same show that uh, as the first uh, the first show that appears on our podcast list. So we're very happy you have joined us. You've joined us on a Friday, the 24th of June, the year 2022. And to say the least, uh, <laughs> things are getting curiouser and curiouser. It's, it's days like this when I'm extremely uh, buoyed up and grateful at the thought that... Uh, David Bach will be joining us later in our second segment today. Um, I'm, I'm sure he has a lot to say about what's going on. D David tends to be uh, more in the granular mode of things, looking at specific events and, and, and characterizing and listing and, and making sure that our eyes are on the specifics that ultimately are the things that affect us the most immediately and the most directly. Um, but this is, this is one of those days where the sheer scope of what we are hearing is, is the great power. The, the irony of the, of the congressional, the January 6th committee hearings, yesterday was the fifth day of those, by the way, and yesterday was the day that we heard the story about the Justice Department coup. You, 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 you have to keep in mind, and this, and this is hard to understand, Un until you really focus on it and think about the, the reasoning behind it. Not reasoning, no, that's the wrong word. Un until you think about uh, hum how humans consume information and how Donald has learned to work with a very refined sense of how humans consume information. 
without going into the details, and we will to some extent, everything that was said yesterday during the committee investigation has been out there, has been in the public sphere, has actually been online, has been in archives. We have watched the news reports. There was, with with few exceptions, and there are always some fascinating exceptions that the committee has brought out, but with few exceptions, what we heard in yesterday's report and have heard literally in the prior four days Every single word of it was already out there. Now, that, that, that's fascinating. And, and, and I say it's fascinating because of the way in which we're all reacting. I, I can't, I can't, all right, there are people who I know personally, who I know, who don't want to watch these hearings for a very simple reason. They'll be painful. They'll make them have to think about things. They'll have to realize that what they're hearing is all information that was taken in under oath from witnesses who were there, who have firsthand knowledge of everything they're saying. it's, It's the rare exception where it's only a hearsay situation. The connections between what witnesses are presenting and Donald Trump is usually as close as sitting in a room or maybe it's on the other end of a telephone. But this isn't second and third and fourth hand information. We're getting all this. That, that, that's not the shocking part. The shocking part is that it's all been out there for a long time. Why is it so compelling? Why is the presentation that has been put together by this committee so captivating, so, so, uh, so informative in, a, in, a, in a, what seems like a brand new way? And, and, and this is the thing I've been thinking about a lot And again, it occurs to me that this is part of the evil genius part of Donald Trump. I I don't know if it's it's contrived as much as it's just um, sort of a a visceral reaction to how to deal with information. But but here's here's what happens. With Donald, it's a question of doing something really naughty and bad and and harmful to the country. And before everybody has been able to react, before the real consequences of the action begin to formulate, before people are able to put it all together, Donald brilliantly moves on to the next nefarious act. Donald is a, a master of misdirecting us, and, and, and even more than misdirecting, of redirecting our attention to his next action. And in a way, he, it's sort of like we're, we're, we're pets being trained. We are, we have, we were, we, I say we were. We were trained by him to 
focus for a moment on whatever was going on, whatever, whatever he was doing, however he was trying to upend the Constitution, however he was trying to destroy the presidency, however he was trying to overturn an election, however he was trying to disenfranchise tens of millions of American votes— you could look at whatever the action was that he was taking at any given moment, begin reacting to it, and then before that reaction could fully formulate on, on the objection side to the, you know, I object to this, and, and meanwhile his supporters are, are all cheering, He's on to the next move. It's a question of flooding the information lane, flooding it, putting so much out, doing so much, creating the opportunity for us to have the same series of responses, knowing how the media will pick it up, knowing how it will show up in, in the press, how it will show up in newspapers, how it will show up on cable TV, knowing that before this all gets a chance to ever be resolved, the next event will supersede it. And, and this is how so much of what happened before, during, and after the, the, the January 6th insurrection, before the Capitol was invaded by Trump supporters at Trump's behest with his, at his direct orders, this is how we have found ourselves still, uh, up until the time that the committee began uh, doing these public hearings, we've still had this sense of, but nothing ever happens. It, we, it, it's, it's just, why won't they do something? There, there's this dis, dis, disfused sense, this, this dis, disjointed notion about all of these things. Nothing ever, what, he, can, he can shoot people on Fifth Avenue, no one would ever notice. And Donald said that for a very specific reason, because he knew that just after he shot those people on Fifth Avenue, he would walk over to Sixth Avenue and start a different massacre, and everybody's attention would shift over to there. And in his pre-presidential days, of course, his lawyers would be in court basically just stretching the time frame out like crazy. He has a gift for knowing what not to say, just to say on whatever side of criminality he might have to be, or what he could or could not say in a civil case. And he, he used the same flooding the, flooding the airwaves with information, flooding the pipeline with more than people could consume and always being there, but not focusable, if you understand what I'm saying. Donald was always more than you could take in at any one moment. There was always too much of him. And so in the, this is the image that most of us begin to form about him. Whatever side of, of the Donald equation people were on or are on, he's always, by definition, by, by conscious process, 
He is bigger than life, more than life, more going on than any one person ever seems to ever have going on because that is a strategy. And that strategy has been has been exposed and essentially it has been exploded. It has been eviscerated. It has been destroyed by the one thing that could do that and that would be a cohesive presentation of all the little pieces that were flowing through the pipeline simultaneously or were coming at us too quickly to be resolved that were never resolved And finally, it all is presented in a cohesive, rational way. This is what we are getting from the January 6th committee, from the hearings. And I I don't know, I don't have this for a fact, but every single member of that committee that has spoken, in other words, whenever, whenever the speaker has basically handed the microphone over to, uh, if, it were, if it were Liz Cheney or Adam Kinzinger or, or, or whoever on the, of the Democrats, everybody has a very well thought out, very contained, very, very... Uh, linear and 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 very consumable and and very and very rational set of facts that they are putting across and every one of those sets of facts depending on who has the microphone at that moment links to the last set and there's a storyline in them and the storyline is consumable and comprehensible and everything in the storyline is constantly directed back to the control source point of everything, which is Donald Trump. You could never see this before. You could see Donald moving. You could see him running about. You could hear him denying. You could hear him bloviating and yelling and screaming. But you could never put it all together. You could never make a cohesive storyline out of it. It's always these individual events flooding the information pipeline, none of them ever getting resolved before we're overtaken by the next set of events. That's part of the Donald strategy. And it has been exposed for the fraudulent mechanism that it is or the effort to continue a fraudulent statement and to perpetuate lies about what is, and and will go down in history, I am confident, as one of the biggest sets of crimes, both attempted and actual crimes against America in the history of this country by a person who had no business even imagining being president except for the fact that he is a clinical pathological narcissist who found a way to make grievance, not fact, not benefit to the country, not the betterment of America, not doing something that helped us all to become a more perfect union. No, who found a way to make grievance the powerful and, well, grievance-based in fear, of course. It's all 
these are all avatars of fear. How to make grievance the cohesive, the glue, the, the thing that joined people together, and how to simply keep them in a state of grievance by feeding them red meat after red meat, throwing it all in the pipeline, keeping it out there, making sure that it had a cultural edge to it. And the committee is making it all rational. It's like taking, it's like taking, remember with the Hubble telescope when it first went up, the primary mirror was misground. It, it was bringing in light. It was, it was taking in information. Uh, but, but what had happened by some bizarrely, uh, just a, 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 a silly oversight of some technicians, the way the mirror was ground was out of focus. Well, ultimately, they figured out, that these brilliant technicians on the ground figured out, we literally have to create um, a set of eyeglasses that will actually precede the light touching the main focal mirror in the Hubble telescope. And we're gonna have to go up to the, tel the telescope, we're gonna have to do a repair job and put the eyeglasses, as it were, on the telescope. And they did, and when they did, everything came into brilliant, brilliant focus. Everything finally began to make sense. Everything that we had thought and hoped and wanted, there it was. And, 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 and it was, otherwise, it was just a mishmash of imagery coming at us, looking at it, never quite resolving, but when, with, with, with a corrective lens, as it were, and that one last corrective mechanism, it all came into play. Well, that's what the January 6th committee is. And the other brilliant thing that they're doing is they're giving people stuff that they can then relate back and forth. It's not just a question of, oh, I'm sitting there and I'm listening to what they're saying and I'm taking it in myself. No, it is, the stuff is so compelling that it becomes the stuff of interaction and communication among people. Now, in that environment, there's no way in hell that the staunchest Trump supporter cannot at some point, maybe, maybe some have avoided it altogether, but there's no way in hell you cannot at some point be exposed to this. It is so overpowering. The storyline is so engrossing. And it's real. It's all the product of sworn, under oath testimony. It's all there. It's impossible to avoid it. That's the brilliance of this. It is a story. It is a narrative. It's the way we take in information. It's the way the internet works. It's the way social media works. They are stories. We keep telling stories back and forth. 95% of them are pure bullshit. There's lies all over the place there. Here is a story based in absolute... Now, you could say, well, uh, uh, the, the committee simply wanted to accept the lies that were told under oath. But then you have something like finding out that Jeffrey, uh, Jeffrey Clark's home was raided. Uh, the day was raided, let's see, let's see, today's Friday, Thursday, Wednesday. 
the guy who almost became uh, the final acting attorney general. He would have been the third acting attorney general appointed by Donald Trump, and he would only have been put in his position because he was willing to sign a letter that lied about what was going on. I think this particular set of allegations involved uh, Louisiana votes or Georgia votes that were, and there, 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 there's reason to believe, the letter said something, was gonna say something like, there's reason to believe there is severe uh, uh, discrepancies and blah, 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 and it would be signed by the Attorney General of the United States, Bill Barr, uh, for all the other garbage and all the other damage he did, uh, was at least, uh, uh, well, self-protective enough, but, but honest enough to say that everything involving all the allegations of fraud were total crap uh, concerning this election. Donald's statements were crap. We have all this, again, under oath. But Jeffrey Clark, uh, some guy, an environmental lawyer, within the Department of Justice. Uh, somehow he came to Trump's appoint, uh, attention. We found out who the person was that brought him to Trump's attention yesterday also. And Trump realized that he could, this guy would play Patsy. And if he made him attorney general, uh, acting attorney general, he could at least get this letter out and again, create a buzz, get information into the pipeline, throw it all in there, get people to have to start biting on it, get the media react, but never really ever get it resolved because the resolution part, well, there's no, there was no, uh, there was no January 6th committee around at that time to really parse through it and make sense out of all this garbage. So that, that's what Jeff Clark would have done. He would have been a vehicle for all this. Well, what does the FBI do two days ago, the day before this fifth hearing? They raid his house. Now, we don't know exactly what the raid was about, but one reasonable inference might be that uh, knowing that there was going, that he was going to be a major uh, subject of today's hearing, and this information may very well have been shared by the committee, uh, they wanted to get information of potential or, or no, not potential, of probable criminal acts. That's the basis uh, on which you go to a judge to get a, uh, a writ uh, in order to permit you to go ahead and uh, to seize evidence. This is all judicially sanctioned. It wasn't a bunch of people crashing in his door. No, they had, they had a signed order from a judge saying that there was probable cause. They had to show probable cause for going into his home and seizing materials and doing so without giving him prior notice. Criminality, a presumed criminality, reasonably presumed criminality, enough that a judge would go ahead and agree, and doing it because, well, there's always the chance that he's going to start flushing stuff away or ripping stuff up, uh, burning things as things were done in the White House, things that have been hidden in Mar-a-Lago that are still hidden in Mar-a-Lago, um, or by now probably destroyed, you know, this kind of thing. And they raided his house on Wednesday, early in the morning. A story goes he was out in his pajamas. This is the guy, and this is the FBI doing the raiding, by the way. And he is the guy that might have been their boss, were it not for career people like Jeff Rosen and others, the, up to that point, the, the most recent acting attorney general, after Bill Barr had, had left, <coughs> and, 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 and willing to 
to basically hold their ground against Donald. That was the other part of this that was so compelling yesterday. This had a Watergate feel to it. This was a bunch of people basically saying, this was a bunch of people saying to Nixon, uh, you know, you can't go any further than this. This has got to stop. This, this, is what I, this is what I reacted to. This is my sense of it. This was, uh, <coughs> who was the uh, uh, senator, uh, not Keith Halver, who am I thinking of? Um, Oh, famous Southern senator, who kept posing the question, what did the president know and when did he know it, was the way the hearings were going when they were doing the hearings concerning Richard Nixon, the missing 18 minutes of tape that Rosemary Woods seemed to have lost on her dictation machine, all of that stuff. And it had the smell and feel of history about it yesterday, that we were watching people who were willing to stand up for the country against an out-of-control chief executive. That's, that's what was so incredibly compelling about yesterday's testimony. Now, th there's a problem that comes with this for the current president of the United States. And, and, and I know that if, you're, if you follow these things, and I'm sure if you're listening to Central Left Radio, you probably do. But Joe Biden, um, his, his, uh, his rating, his, his favorable ratings have been dropping consistently for several weeks now, three or four weeks. He's in the, he, I think he's in the low 30s at this stage in the game. That's not where you want to be when there's a midterm election coming up and your party who currently owns, uh, who currently controls both houses of Congress and you of course are the, are the sitting president, um, is in the historically uh, unfavorable position or, the, the, or the his, is facing the historical likelihood that you will lose seats in one or both of the houses. This seems to happen in every midterm, where, where in the, at, the, uh, at the point of the presidential election, uh, the, uh, the, both the White House and, and the House and the Senate have all gone to one party. America tends to swing away from that. But of course, the problem now is that the, uh, the opposition party, what used to be the Republican Party, now the Trumpian Party, has been taken over by Donald and is a radical version of, I'm not sure what, I don't think of it as a political party, it's somewhere between a cult and a cabal. It's, it's somewhere between a bizarre belief system and a group of people willing to do just about anything to support a guy. And there's a resonance between the fear of the politicians 
who basically are looking at the, the, the blood dripping down the sides of the mouths of a compressed but crazy base who basically they see as willing to vote them out of office if we don't all maintain this, this blood oath of loyalty to Donald. And Donald, we're watching him self-destruct, certainly as the committee puts out this information. Yet with all that, where we stand at this very moment, just at this moment, is with the, I would say, a good chance I'm not going to call it a likelihood, but a good chance that Biden, the combination of Biden's lack of popularity, the inflationary process going on right now in the country, the difficulties being created in supply. Well, this is all part of the same thing. The war in Ukraine and the difficulties being created, the, out, the basic uh, the, the, the hangover that we're all experiencing from COVID and the COVID process that's still continuing. All of this is producing an economic result and a social result as a result of that that is totally comprehensible if you study what happened, what COVID did, what it interrupted, what it changed. And Joe Biden happens to be sitting in the White House as this is happening. Now you add to that all of this that is coming out about Donald Trump. And again, it's clear information. It's not the muddy pipeline. It's not throwing things in. It's not, not even allowing us to barely process the first atrocity of the day before he's committed another or gone on and, and, and started tweeting out more lies and everything. It's, 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 it's not that, that overload of information. It's a clarification, a, an ability to give us a, a way of grasping everything that happened and that unfortunately because of his, of his pathology, he is, that, that is continuing to happen. The lie that Donald and others are continuing to project. But it's so clear and it's so crisp and it's so, it's so easily consumed that it is taking up a great deal of bandwidth within rational people, within the minds of rational people. Because for the first time, things are being seen clearly. Now, you would imagine that that might be a good thing for someone like Joe Biden. And ultimately, it may be. I, 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 am, I, I, have, I have completely uh, shelved the notion that, I'm, that this is simply a historical reality that the, that the Democrats must lose one house or both because it's a midterm election and that's just how. No. There is an entire, an entire landscape being laid out before us that suggests what could happen and continue to happen if Republicans are given control once again in an atmosphere where Donald Trump is the controlling factor, where he is a major factor. And with that, the Democrats have the opportunity to, to lay out in, in, in exquisite detail, if they can just do the same thing, if they can just continue with the same force of information that is 
is generating and projecting what we're seeing from the January 6th committee. If this can be converted, if whoever the professionals were, and I think I heard somewhere that it was some people from ABC involved in this, if, if we can simply go ahead and get that same professional control, that same professional storytelling, and now reduce this down to campaign messaging, to organize campaign messaging, sweeten it, thicken it with the obvious insanity that accompanies what was just done with gun legislation by the Supreme Court, what will probably be made official within a day or so, if not today, about Roe v. Wade. What happens when you put justices in that are nothing but political hacks, people who lie to the Senate about what they will do relative to stare decisis and, and respecting the decisions of the court, making it clear that the Republicans not only are not trustworthy in, in being able to actually run a government without automatically trying to destroy it, and cannot be trusted basically when put in positions of responsibility in other branches of government. Nowhere that you put Republicans or have Republican influence is safe any longer in America. It, this is not a hard series of messages to generate, especially fresh on the heels of the information coming out of the January 6th committee. But why will it be done? Should it, should it have already started? We're not getting, the, I'm not getting that sense. I'm, I'm certainly not feeling that there are campaign messages that are compelling. We, uh, my feeling is what unfortunately has become pretty standard uh, you know, within democratic circles. It's, it's kind of limp-wristed. It's kind of, it, it, there's not much going on there. And, and, and Joe Biden, uh, not, not, to, not to blame him completely for this, but he has been so overshadowed by everything that is happening. You, you would think he would be, a, you know, he would be the focus of, 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 of so many things. He, well, the president must deal with this, 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 this. And yes, in the early, in last year in COVID, that was the case. But what's happening now, and especially now, is that we are realizing, I, I'm realizing, and I think much of America, whether it realizes this or not, will have to come to grips with this. We've yet to resolve the prior presidency. The fact that Donald refused to step away and allow the, the peaceful transfer of power, the fact that he refused to go to Joe Biden's inauguration, the fact that he's continued to lie and lie and say, no, I won, I won, I won, I deserve the presidency, it's really mine, I should have it, blah, blah, and all that crap has taken on, because it's his own little flooded pipeline of information, going out to his people who are not allowed to hear anything else, that is still out there in full force. 
because Donald is pathological, because he has no off switch, because he has absolutely no shame, no pride in America, no sense of doing damage to the republic, no sense of what the role and, 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 and force of the presidency is and, what, and how that force is supposed to be utilized, because he is utterly narcissistic in his approach, he basically is taking, he is this unique in our history force for evil and destruction within our body politic. And we've learned, we're learning how to deal with that because the, the facts, the reality, the narrative of him not sullied because the pipeline is overwhelmed and we can't breathe because there's too much information, but a clear recounting of what he is and what he's doing is finally being made available to us. And as a result, we're finally being given the opportunity to resolve the Trump presidency, finally. But this also means that, you know, we only have one president at a time. Even if the president we have is the one we're trying to get rid of, I, I don't know other, any other way to say it. And so you hear Trump's name mentioned for every one time Biden's name is mentioned, Trump's name is mentioned 10 times, by sheer exposure, President Trump, if you say president, the likelihood is you're, you're, you're going to think Trump before you think Biden, just by the nature of what's happening and the information that's being put out there. Joe Biden's presidency is taking a back seat to Donald Trump's Failed presidency, granted, but a presidency that we're finally in a position, that we're positioning ourselves to finally resolve. And this is a difficult political position for Joe Biden to be in. He's diminished. He is a diminished president in an inevitable way. He found he's, he's simply where he is. Yes, He's also, uh, his, his, his visual diminished thing, his, 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 uh, his, his lack of physical vitality sometimes in watching him walk. I, I know he, he, he does everything in his power to look all the more powerful, but, but I, as a supporter of his, mostly, I remember, I'm center-left, we're center-left radio. Uh, he, he's just... He's in the shadow of the bigger story. And what he's done with NATO and, and what he's done with the EU and what he has done vis-a-vis -vis Ukraine and all the things he has done in, in helping us get past the COVID situation, that changes none of this. But we're not going to be able to just depend on Joe as the image that would tip the scales in our direction in in 2022, in the midterm elections, and so you might say, well, if we, if we don't have the president, what do we have? We have everything else. 
We have the ugliness of the whole Republican structure. We have the in ongoing effort to basically undermine the country. We have the whole direction story. We have the whole story of America story, the whole meaning of this country story. And if that is put together with the same skill that the presentations of the January 6th committee uh, if that information, if it's done with anywhere near the same skill, if it's turned into political messaging, and by God, if the committee could do this, obviously, we have the, 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 the DNC and the DNCC all have access to the same uh, creative mechanisms that put this thing together. There's no reason why there can't be a seamless movement into political messaging with the same skill and force. I mean, it's, 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 it's just overwhelming how well done this is. And there's no reason why it can't be done. So I am saying to anyone who's listening, do not presume that Joe Biden's low 30s ratings right now are indicative of invariably where things are going to wind up in November, that we're going to lose one of the houses. No, don't assume anything. Don't assume that the messaging and the stories coming out of the January 6th committee will not continue to grow and magnify and consume so much of the attention and way beyond the attention of just the faithful, of the Democrats, of the liberals, of the progressives out there. Don't assume that. It's going to consume the mindset of the independence. It's going to infiltrate the deepest levels of Trump-loving America. You can't avoid this. It, has taking on, it is taking on a life of its own. You add that to any kind of competent political messaging going in to the midterms, and the field and the possibilities are completely wide open. Anything could happen. There is nothing. There is no reason to assume that somehow the historical president of, okay, the, the party in control will lose one or two. No, don't assume any of that. These are the stories. America and the preservation of America and the need to keep America and control of America out of the hands that would, of the people who would harm it. That is the story that has to come out and it is coming out here. And Trump will keep bellowing and yelling and screaming and the, and, and the forces of rationality and the forces of, of true patriotism, true patriotism will come out louder and stronger. And the results of November in 2022, uh, they are not anyone, by any stretch of the imagination, a foregone conclusion. That's, uh, it's all ahead of us. It's fascinating. There's still, I think there was, what, two more or three more? Uh, three more uh, hearings that are going to be taking place. Uh, now, I believe they'll be happening after the 4th after the, uh, of July recess. But there's so much so much out there, and the story is finally being presented in a cohesive, comprehensible way, and the true horror of Donald Trump is being made known to the American people and is filtering its way in to everybody. There's no way it can be avoided. Make no assumption 
about how November will turn out. Now, I think, uh, I think I've said as much as I need to say this morning over here. I, I, th I think it would be very nice to, um, to, let, uh, to let David, uh, David Bach, say what he has to say. And, and, and I, think, uh, I think we'll do just that. Just after we've taken a few moments to absorb uh, the, the stuff I've been talking about here, and there's a lot of it, and do it, of course. I mean, how else do we absorb things? You have to sit back. You have to think about it. And how do we do that? With, always, with a little jazz. Hi, 
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to center-left radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can on a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make center-left radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident. And as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Central F Radio, thank you. You're listening to Central F Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz, and you're listening to us on the web at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. Of course, you're listening to us either as a, as a, uh, a podcast or you're listening to us on our uh, radio loop feed. Won't go through either of those again, uh, but, well, you know you're on one or the other, and we're very glad to have you, especially because uh, we're, it's Friday, and uh, that means we get to have our Friday commentator join us. In light of everything that we've said earlier in the show, I can only imagine that, uh, well, why am, I, why am I delaying the inevitable? And it's a, it's a lovely inevitable. David, what's on your mind? Well, there's a lot. Um, and if you want to know more, you can follow me on twitch.tv slash freshfacesnewideas, and you can follow me on Twitter at facesideas. Um, look, so we have a couple things simultaneously happening. We have the uh, the Texas GOP, which is the largest um, version of the party uh, state GOP, deciding that you know they don't really want to do America anymore. Right, democracy. That's right. Um, we have the January sixth hearings, which have been excellent. Well, let me rephrase it. They've done a very fantastic job of pointing out all the things that Trump has done illegally that the Republican Party was attempting to do, um, all their criminality. And to the credit of the Republicans, they are right. The January 6th committees are incredibly biased. Everybody testifying is essentially either a former Trump admission, uh, the 
somebody who's in the Trump administration, somebody who worked for the Trump administration, somebody who worked for the Trump campaign, or some type of Republican operative on every level. Right. So they're biased. (laughs) They're biased in favor of Republicans who want to tell the truth. It's it's fascinating. Yeah. Under oath, by the way. Yeah. Then we have um, the Supreme Court. Uh, so I'm actually going to ask you a little bit about their most recent rulings, just just because I haven't time to go over all of them. Yeah. Um, but I want to talk very briefly about some of the things that it, are worth mentioning when we're talking about the January 6th hearing. Yeah. When we're talking about these, especially the state officials, it's worth remembering, or like Mike Pence, that the things that they did or didn't do when they when Trump asked them to do is not some act of extraordinary courage. They were doing their job. Thank you for bringing that up. It's also worth mentioning that the the Arizona State guy who, who uh, testified in the third one, not the most recent one, the one before that. Yeah. I, I don't remember which, which number we're up to anymore. Um, that was the he, third one, yeah. Uh, no, that's, yes, it was the fifth. It was the fourth one, fourth one, Bowers. He said, after basically saying, like, hey, people were threatening my family, he's like, yeah, I would vote for Trump as, as a uh, – for president again. It was like, you can't have it both ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't simultaneously say, oh, I, I think this person did something illegal and that was a threat to democracy. But, you know, if he ran for president again, I would vote for him. If he was my – the way he put it, I think, is if he was my party's choice, uh, I, I, I would have – yes, I, I would vote for him, which is insanity, which is which, – which, you know, that, that's like uh, the point was made yesterday. Well, you know, uh, uh, Jeff Clark said that he was uh, both invo- – he would both invoke the Fifth Amendment and, uh, and uh, basically uh, uh, executive privilege. And, you know, you, you can't have it both ways. I would I would make one statement uh, here though, and I've been in this I've been in this situation in a uh, in a corporate environment. When you're working directly for the top person in an organization, and I was working for someone who was under extreme pressure from the state of New York for things that he was not 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 doing illegally, but doing poorly, and he was pressuring me to continue helping him uh, by crafting speeches and other things that he needed and looking to me basically to be loyal to him. It's not, it's not a simple matter when you're under that kind of pressure, and it was a very large corporation uh, with, uh, tens of, with thousands and thousands of employees, um, it's not a simple matter to just simply say, well, it, my job is to do the right thing, and therefore uh, I'll just do the right thing. The pressure can be intense. So I'll grant these Republicans that. And I can only imagine that having the, the, the person that you're reporting to who is doing the wrong stuff, when that person is the president of the United States, it has to be all the more difficult. I'm not making excuses here. I'm just giving a little more context, especially having been through, I think, a comparable situation. Yeah, no, look, um, that's fine. But the other thing with this is all of these people all of the, who had these meetings, they never spoke out. No, no. That's the other thing. 
And then there was something else that I saw that, that bothered me. So after the, the last set of hearings, I was watching CNN, and Anderson Cooper was talking about the idea that we just learned that Sidney Powell could have been special counselor. That, that's absurd. I know you and I have spoken about this exact <laughs> yeah. meeting over yeah. a year ago. It's, I, I want to say it's, a, it's either a HuffPost or a Washington Post article talking about this meeting. And you should go look it up. It yeah. is insanity. The, uh, Mike Flynn and Giuliani and, and Sidney Powell are talking to Trump and they go up into the West Wing and one of the lawyers come in. It's like, hey, you guys can't be having this meeting without us. And they don't even know who the lawyer is. Yeah. And then she's presenting evidence of, uh, of um, she's like, yeah, I can find this. I know this district flipped from Trump to Biden. And the guy's like, Trump won that district. Like they, this meeting was unbelievably off the rails. And the fact that your people are like, oh, we didn't know about this. Like, yeah, it's been reported on. This stuff has been reported. And I think that's like the best thing that's come out of this is that there's so much they've been so open about it like they put all their crimes in paper yeah yeah uh, yeah and then we have ron johnson throwing everybody under the bus for getting this fake set of electors that he was supposed to hand to mike pence yeah and that even his chief of staff was like do not give this to him do not let him see this like this is incredibly ridiculous like there's so many of them and then we have now we have um direct proof of who's uh or at least a ledger proof not i don't i don't think it's all in writing some of them it is for who can um uh, who asked for pardons it's it's yeah. uh it's <clears throat> yeah. bobert gomer brooks perry hmm. and then i think the other two so like marjorie taylor green and and Jim Jordan asked somebody else. Um, and then, so the and, and, like, you know, de denials are coming from them, but with no with no proof of denial. Just, you know, and Marjorie Taylor Greene, of course, wow, it's, it's a witch. She just came out with, it's a witch hunt. <laughs> okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. How dare you, how dare you tell me what I, what I did? How dare you tell me what, what someone has sworn under oath that I did? Uh, and that there's phone records and everything. How dare you put that? Out? Well, it's a witch hunt because <laughs> it makes me look bad. You know, I, but I, I, I shouldn't be laughing at this because this is going to if, if I'm if I'm reading this correctly, these people at the lower levels and people in Congress are going to be at the uh, at the uh, opposing side uh, indictments uh, in the not probably not too far distant future. And it's all going to be a, a, a sort of a long, strung-out process now, just the way uh, you would have in a mob boss investigation, just the way you would have in a, in a criminal uh, case, a large criminal case against a main uh, organized crime figure, that you work your way up to the top. You tr keep trying to get the underlings to flip as you indict, and you go quiet a bit at this point. And that's what I can see starting to happen pretty soon. Um, okay, but, like, they they can't go after the, the politicians unless they start doing it now. Because the DOG rules that so they can't do it at a certain point. Right. When there's a, when there's a re-election coming up, which means they may do it after the re-election. It's very possible. All so they're going to let the people be voted in and then assume <clears throat> that their bosses aren't going to uh, fire them? 
David, I, I, I'm, if, it depends on what their end goal is. If they don't do it before the election, within the time that the DOJ has within its own rules, prior to, what is it, is it, is it three months? What, what? I, don't, I don't know. I forget how that works. Okay, if they don't start doing that now, that will be a, that will be a signal to me that they are going for Trump and that they are willing to wait <clears throat> until after the election because of how much additional stuff they have to put together and how many cases. And so, therefore, they will not be able to do it prior to the election. And they're going to allow just this information to sit out there. And, 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 and in many cases, in many solidly, solidly Trumpian districts around the country, I don't care if the people were even indicted, they'd probably wind up being elected even if they were already indicted. That could happen. But if they don't begin it, it's because they have Trump in their sights for a later, for a later date. That's the only, to me, the only procedurally, judicially procedurally rational explanation for why they wouldn't do this now. They, or they just don't have the information yet. They're not prepared to start bringing the indictments. I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. Yeah. All right. But like that's, that's where the, the fear is. So let's talk about some <clears throat> of the, uh, yeah. the other stuff. So let me ask you about these court cases. So there was a couple of them that came down. Um, the Supreme court's doing a really good job of, uh, of entrenching like lunacy in yeah. this country. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know, I think it was, was it Monday that they ruled that, uh, you can't like that service providers don't have to provide certain end of life care. That's right. I believe that was that, was it Monday? I forget how it came in. Yeah. Yeah. Some, something like uh, that. Yeah. I didn't read then, that full decision and nor and have I yes, read, nor have I read the full, <clears throat> uh, decision, uh, eliminating the 100 year old law or more than a hundred year old law in New York and New York and other States about having to have a reason to carry in public, um, I'm told, and, and again, I know you're going to get up to this. I'm just jumping in. Forgive me. I'm told that that decision wasn't quite as onerous uh, as it's been portrayed to be by the media on our side. You got to read it more carefully. So it's bad. Don't get me wrong. But I've got to read that decision. I have not read it yet. Okay, because I was going to ask about that because what yeah. I've seen it look like they're using like 18th century logic in Europe. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 I it, it's bad. It's, it's definitely bad. Obviously, there's going to have to be a whole uh, series of legislative uh, and, and judicial battles over the existing laws. What the, what, what, what the court did, what the Supreme Court did, uh, basically was just say, well, that law that New York had and that several states have had concerning that you would have to have, you'd have to present a reason, a compelling reason why you wanted to carry a gun outside of your home. In other words, to carry in public. And there were a number of exclusions that were permissible. Well, the exclusions are still permissible, but the reason, the, the notion that you had to give a reason to carry outside the house in the first place, that's no longer there. But the state can still come up with a series of exclusion zones, as it were. This is going to be litigated forever. 
So I think what's going to happen is there'll be motions, to, there'll, be, there'll be movement within various states to get rid of the current law that the Supreme Court says doesn't really hold any longer. And that would be the law that says that you basically had to have a reason to carry a gun outside of your home, a, 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 uh, uh, you know, a handgun. That gun may no, that law may no longer be, be acceptable to the court, but actually getting it off the books will be another matter because there are going to be challenges, there'll be stays on the law, there'll be all sorts of things going on. And, and every case, every, every, every state and every law in every state will be challenged independently. So by the time the stupidity of, of, the, of the Supreme Court ruling from yesterday, by, by the time that idiocy actually might or might not uh, take effect, it could be two, three years down the line. That's what okay. I'm saying. All right. So, um, so then we have the other one, which is it, it sounds worse than it is. So apparently, they also said that the police can no longer be sued for failing to redo your Miranda rights. That that's that I didn't pick, I didn't pick up on that one. So Miranda rights are gone. No, no. Like they still can read them. Like. You still have the right to remain silent and and stuff. Just like basically, they don't. You can't sue if they don't read that, which you know seems a little problematic. Yeah, I, I, I think that's ridiculous. I mean, you got um, when I'm taking in someone under arrest. Uh, by the time I'm able to take them into custody, if there's a running battle, that's one thing. You don't expect someone to read you your rights while you're in the middle of a running battle. But once you're taking someone into custody with the implication that at that moment the police are in control, that is the moment that a suspect must basically be told what your rights are because that's going to be the basis of everything that's going to be happening further down the line to you in a criminal prosecution. And to make that no longer necessary, that people don't understand that, I, what was, the, I, again, I didn't read the decision. D, do you have any sense of what the court's reasoning on that was? No, I don't. No, I, 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 I got to read this. Stuff. I, I'm, I'm, I'm remiss. I haven't, I haven't read this stuff. Uh, I just was so tied up with uh, everything happening with the hearing over the last few days. Okay, so I have another follow-up question. This. The gun law ruling, is it not... The exact opposite argument they're now going to use to overturn Roe v. Wade probably in the next two weeks. Most likely, yes. Good point. Extremely, ex extremely good point. Uh, and, so, and Roe v. Wade will be overturned before that because I think I think the court the court's uh, session. Uh, I th I think this session of the court ends. Doesn't it end within the next week or so? Or, or I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but it, but I I, I think it, David, please extrapolate on that. Yeah. So my understanding for the, the gun case is basically they're saying that states' rights can't – states don't have the right to uh, police themselves with their own laws is, is what it basically boils down to. Right. But the argument they're going to make for Roe v. Wade is it's a state's right decision about who gets to decide whether or not you have access to an abortion. Exactly. So exactly. besides being counterlogical, what they're arguing is – that um, women have less autonomy than firearms. <laughs> that the federal government can control a woman's body, but not a gun. Yeah. That's, that's what they're saying. 
Yeah, ni uh, nicely, nicely, nicely reasoned there. Yeah, yeah. That I, I, I could, I could hear you uh, in in a, in a courtroom, uh, including that as part of your summation. That's uh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Every juror would be uh, their ears would all be perked up on that one. Right, and then I want to talk about the Texas part. So yeah, let's start with the absolute, the absolute most insane part: the idea that they can secede. So. Um, yeah, if they can vote for it, give it a shot. But, but let's be clear about a couple of things here that would happen. First, the, whatever remained of the, the Republican coalition at that point after Texas secede would never win another national election. Of course not. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't it to lose Texas in the, the electoral count would sink everything that they have. Yeah. Minus whatever. So we would no longer have to deal with Ted Cruz. And I think it's John Cornyn, I think, is the Texas Cornyn the other is Texas the other Senator. one, yeah. The one who, who got booed at that same convention, by the way. And who, uh, and who voted for the gun, the, the federal gun legislation. I'm sure you'll get to that in a moment. Yeah. yeah. I haven't looked at it. I didn't know. It, oh. I haven't seen what it's updated. So. Okay. But I, yeah. I, I think that most of it's teethless. Uh, unless they, they did more stuff with the boyfriend loophole, which was the best part. That was, that was the highlight of the whole thing. The rest of it is, is toothless, mostly. Yeah. Um, so, and then we would lose however many House members it was. But like. To, to understand, this is the same type of argument that people who want civil war have. They don't actually know what they're talking about. No, not um, at all. For Texas to secede, it would then lose any federal funding it has. Means yep. it's, which, to be fair to them, they don't have to worry about power because it's their own grid. They, but they have to worry about their own grid now. They have yeah. to worry about whenever they get hit by the next massive hurricane, the next massive series of tornadoes, whatever right. it is. Right. Right. They have to uh, create their own currency and back it with something. They would have they, to have trade. They would have to have trade agreements with the United States. Uh, interstate commerce would be completely cut off for all intents and purposes. There would have to be borders. There would have to be passports. There would have to be uh, control. There would have to be a fence on the other side of Texas or around the rest of Texas because people could not come and go as they wish. It would be a separate nation, and they would have to have uh, – they, they would be – essentially sequestered uh I, of course none of that really matters the, the vote was basically i'm guessing and, and again I, i'll leave it to your opinion how you feel about this but it's basically a uh it's red meat to the masses it's 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 basically a culture war the equivalent of a culture war issue it's a yahoo you know we can do all this yeah and and, and all the good red meat republicans jump up and down and and it's not about actually doing it. It's about saying that we can do it and watching all them crazy libs jump up and down and set their hair on fire when we say it. Or do you think that there's actually some substance to it? Probably not the secession one. But there are, there are ones that are worth pointing out to that, that it's just like we just don't care about being part of this country. We just want our one-party insanity rule. Yeah. We have yeah. uh, among the things is no more federal funding for any future contract tracing. Right, 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 right. Not right. Yeah. <laughs> not vaccinations. Contact tracing, which is made, which all it does is trying to backtrace 
to see how many people have gotten infected with the disease. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 insanity. I mean, it, it just it's something that someone that that has that has all the rationality of a uh, an Italian uh, satellite uh, switching votes. Uh, from uh, Trump to Biden. I mean, it's nuts. Why? Why would you pick on that of all things? Uh, just, you know, just for the for the QAnon, uh, you know, lovers in the audience or something. I don't know. I, it, why? They also have in it um, some of the other things. They have uh, a rejection of Biden as president just straight up. They said he's the acting president, yeah. not the current president. Yeah. Which, yeah. you know, that seems like it might be a problem that they just just won't accept basic reality. Yeah. Uh, they also called for the entire repeal of the Voting Rights Act. Yeah, of course, of course, uh, of course, yeah. Because, first off, it hasn't been gutted enough by John Roberts, but, you know, we can't have equal voting. No, of course not. Why would you want that? Yeah. And but, then but, they also – and a reminder, this is wasn't updated in 2020. Um, it was because of uh, – they, there was COVID. They didn't meet together. Yeah, 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 yeah. But in 2022, it says that they basically reject the homo being uh, being gay, and they say that it is an unacceptable lifestyle choice. Great, wonderful. That, that's that's phenomenal. Unacceptable. Oh, unacceptable. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> it's, it's also worth mentioning that these, like, we need to talk about this because it's. It, it is a bubbling thing that is going to get people hurt. Yeah, of course. They are building up for violence against these people. Sure. Now, they're going to pretend that this, when the Roe v. Wade decision comes down, they're already priming, uh, priming the pipeline for this. They're going to pretend that some dipshit who does something violent is the it's is is a it's a direct agent of the joe biden campaign designed by the democrats in order to target just peace-loving pro-life americans sure of course yeah yeah now keep in mind the entire history of the pro-life movement spawned from their loss of de of segregation and has been incredibly violent yeah well <clears throat> you see, but, but that, they, but they, David, that's a fact. Facts are not facts are fungible. I mean, you know, they're Republicans. Facts, they're not bound by facts because Donald's not bound by facts, and so but they're it's simply beyond that. Like their base isn't bound by facts. No, that's Although, it. To yeah. be fair, there is some good news that has been coming out. Um, it looks like Oz is going to get walloped. Uh, I imagine Herschel Walker is going to get walloped as well. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to put a lot of faith in that because you know. Georgia. Um, you never know. The uh, and th th it's good that they get well. Mo Brooks lost. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't understand why he's not testifying because he literally has nothing else to lose. Um, also, the fact that I wish every reporter, when they had a conversation with him, asked him on national television, "Hey, why were you wearing body armor?" Yeah, good question. <laughs> um, also, they raided Jeffrey Clark's house on Wednesday. That's right. Um, so for those of you who don't know who Jeffrey Clark is, Jeffrey Clark is basically the, he is a uh, a lawyer for the Environmental Protection Agency, who as far as I know has never done a case. Right. Well, he's never, he he's never done a criminal case. Trump, never done a criminal case, no. Who went up to Trump and told him, hey, I will do 
I will make the DOJ look into this. I will I will make sure that you are your president. Basically, I will do illegal stuff. And then when they was talking to the DOJ about it, they were like, yeah, no, you're a trial lawyer. And the line that keeps coming up is, we will call you when there's an oil spill. Yeah, that that was uh, I think that was Jeffrey Rosen who uh, who who presented that uh, who, who 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 laid that one on on Jeffrey Clark. Uh, one can only imagine what the scene must have been like in the Oval Office uh, with the meeting with the really heavy duty meeting that took place on January third. <laughs> That had to be one hell of a wild show. That had to be a wild show. Uh, we're going to have to wait, I guess, for uh, till after the 4th of July holiday, after the recess, uh, to get whatever is coming up next. Uh, what, 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 what's next in the pipeline here, David? Do you recall what's coming up, what the, the chairman said is coming on January? I, don't, I haven't seen the last okay. one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know in the next. Well, I, I, I gather there's two more of these coming. At least two more of these, and they keep moving, uh, moving the uh, the time frame around. Specifically, again, I'm not sure that this is the reason, but but there's a curious uh, intersection of events here. A uh, a documentary, a British documentary uh, filmmaker, was allowed into the White House, and he was there for a while before January sixth. And after, and the story goes that he had, quote, extraordinary access to Trump, Trump's family, and other people. And there's an amazing amount of material. Well, he was subpoenaed by the committee, and all of the footage that he shot uh, is being gone through or has been gone through, and apparently... Uh, there are another remarkable series of, if not revelations, corroborations of everything that's come so far that will be coming out uh, in the next uh, one or two or three, however many more uh, hearings uh, the, uh, the January 6th committee puts out. So, so that's, uh, that's in the pipeline. Uh, which uh, includes everything else that you and I will be reporting on uh, in the course of the next weeks and everything. And, and all the more so, uh, I, 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 keep, uh, I keep understanding in greater, in, in greater detail the meaning of the rather casual phrase, that's why they play the games, but that is exactly what we're in the middle of. And we're in the middle of finally getting some clarity about all the events that Trump uh, just kept throwing into the information pipeline that never got resolved. And, and the January 6th committee is bringing this all together and how this will ultimately impact the midterm elections. Everything is it's all moving parts at this time. Who will be who and, and when might indictments come? How would this affect Donald Trump? It's all moving parts, and uh, that's what makes it as fascinating as it is often disturbing, but we are watching live, we are watching history in the making live, and, uh, and, and, and I guess uh, it's, it's a, if nothing else, uh, it, it's a fascinating time to be in a position like yours and mine, isn't it? Uh, you know, I can't imagine a better time to be doing what you and I are doing. David, by the way, where else do you do what you do? 
Uh, yeah, you can find me on twitch.tv slash freshfacesnewideas and on Twitter at facesideas. With that, uh, once again, David Bach, thank you so much for being my Friday co-host here on Center Left Radio uh, with more than enough to sit back and think about. Uh, we definitely could use a little more jazz. Listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. The thing about hearing all of this information from the committee and hearing it put out so cleanly and thoughtfully, when you hear an idiot statement like Donald Trump saying, it's all a witch hunt, and he's saying it every day, still say it's a lie, it doesn't have the gut punch it used to. Why? Because we know it in context now. We are living through historical times. Please stay in touch. <laughs>